looked at the seven churches last few weeks in Revelation that where the Lord gave warning to the churches as far as their standing before him was concerned mentioning things that would eliminate them from bringing the bride uh, of which we took note we do not believe that you're automatically in the bride just by being a member of one of the Lord's churches so now we come to Revelation chapter 19 and uh, usually one will start in verse 4 but I'm going to start in verse 1 and after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying hallelujah salvation and glory and honor and power under the Lord our God. Heaven is a place where praising God never ceases. And all of the redeemed saints of God will do that throughout eternity. There will always be a full crowd there to do that. Here in this life, you know, we have problems, sickness and hindrances and so forth, but none of that will be in our way in heaven. It says in verse 2, For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and hath avenged the blood of of his servants at her hand. And again they said hallelujah. And her smoke rose up forever and ever. We come to the point in time where the great whore has been destroyed. The Roman Catholic Church of course being spoken of here. The great enemy of God and the great enemy of the Lord's churches. Millions died at her hands by her persecution. And it seems that she just thrived. It seems that she just kept going and kept building herself up and so forth. But there's coming a day when she'll be destroyed with a great destruction. Prior to uh, what we want to look at this morning, uh, there's a lot of hallelujahs over the fact that she's been destroyed and that she's gone and that she will never rise again. Now, in verse 4, the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshiped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen. 
Hallelujah. Uh, these 24 elders are mentioned back in chapter 4 and uh, verse 4. Here they are at the uh, beginning of the wedding ceremony declaring that God's work and God's word is true and they give a resounding hallelujah at this time. Why 24? Well, uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I don't know. I think probably 12 representing Israel and 12 representing the church and I could be wrong about that so uh, I'm not going to say something that I don't know and tell you it's the truth but they are there and uh, they are ones that uh, God uh, deems to be there and uh, ones that God uh, feels it's important uh, that they're there. Now the voice uh, came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now, oh, the book of Revelation, as we read through it, we see that the book is in order. In other words, this happens, and then this happens, and then uh, this happens. Well, evidently, the judgment seat of Christ has already taken place. And I believe that happens soon after uh, our arrival uh, into heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 3 mentions the uh, judgment seat of Christ. It's not going to be that uh, what we've read thus far this morning takes place and then boom, all of a sudden <clears throat> God's going to have to uh, have the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, but in chapter 3 of 1 Corinthians, it says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto ye were not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions are not carnal, and walk as men. For a while one saith, I am of Paul, 
and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos? But ministers by whom you believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now here uh, we see Paul talking to the uh, Corinthian church and speaking about their carnality. And, uh, you know, some want to cause divisions, and there was envy and uh, strife among them uh, concerning uh, certain things. One, that uh, Paul was being elevated above Apollos, and one would say, well, uh, you know, Apollos, uh, I believe, is my leader, and others would say, well, I believe Paul uh, is the leader in all this carnality. And my, how carnality gets in our way when it comes to serving God. And uh, uh, even among the best, the old carnal mind uh, messes with our ability to serve God uh, as we ought. He said, uh, uh, He that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. So, uh, we're not to elevate uh, people uh, over others and uh, say, Well, you know, this preacher, he preached the best sermon of the meeting or this preacher and back and forth the old carnal mind goes but we're to think of uh, what they preached not how they preached and we're to think of the God of the Bible our Savior the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, He is to have the preeminence and to glorify God Uh, in truth. So uh, here he addresses uh, carnality. He says in verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry and you are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another man buildeth uh, thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Not only are we going to be judged uh, for what we do and what we don't do, but we're going to be judged also uh, for how we do it and why we do it. There's a whole lot to... uh, serving the Lord in His church. And uh, I think people sometimes uh, forget or are unaware of all the carnality that uh, throws us off. Now, 
If any man build upon this fountain gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So the bride at the judgment seat and all of the saints will have their uh, works judged uh, by fire. It will be a true and a righteous judgment. And every work done or not done is going to pass through that fire. All of it. You know, not just something here and there. But all of it is going to pass through that fire of what we did, what we didn't do, and how we did it, and why we did it. All of that is going to come to the forefront for every man's work shall be tried by fire of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, praise God, it's going to be burned. The judgment that the saints will go through is not a judgment as to whether they'll wind up in the lake of fire or not, but it's a judgment of their righteous works since they've been saved. You know, some t- people want to put the Christian back uh, in the judgment of God uh, for things they did before they were saved, uh, which is absurd. But every man's work shall be tried by fire, and if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. Loss as far as rewards are concerned. Loss as far as being in the bride is concerned. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Uh, So the bride, as we go back to Revelation 19, the bride has already uh, been tried by fire along with all the uh, other saints of God. And uh, again, as we follow this order uh, that we see here uh, in the book, and after the uh, announcement, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth, and I mentioned a few weeks ago that you know, the bride gets all of the attention in an earthly wedding. My bride came down this aisleway back in 1976 here at King's Edition to the tune of Here Comes the Bride. And that's 
customary uh, to do that in the wedding. It would have been uncustomary for them to play Here Comes the Groom, you know, because the attention is on the bride. But in heaven, uh, everything is different. Though there are similar things, uh, everything is different in that regard. So we see this announcement then, the shouting of hallelujah, the announcement, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth at the beginning uh, of the wedding ceremony. Now, there's a great multitude that are here. All who have ever been saved from Adam up until uh, this point in time are at the ceremony and they're all giving glory to God. A great multitude. Millions. Upon millions there at the wedding ceremony. Nobody else has something better to do. For there's nothing better to do in heaven than be with the Lord. I know people have all kinds of ideas of what they're going to do in heaven uh, and all this, but again, our attention and our allegiance forever and ever will be unto the Lord and His glory. And they say, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife hath made herself ready. And uh, this is why I went back to the seven churches in Jerusalem and why I went back and read concerning the uh, judgment seat of Christ, and the righteous works uh, of the saints in the New Testament church uh, enables them uh, to be the bride. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are they. Blessed thing to be called unto that Marriage, as the work of the Lord and the purpose of the Lord in saving the Gentiles also, and of course some Jews will be in the bride, for that's all there were in the beginning were Jews. But uh, blessed are they that are called to this marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see thou do it not. Shouldn't worship angels, shouldn't 
he shouldn't worship this messenger from God that's uh, revealing these things to him while he's on the Isle of uh, Patmos. And he says, see thou uh, do it not. He didn't want any worship. He didn't want any praise. He didn't think he deserved it. Well, again, we think about the carnality of man and we uh, think of the great whore and all that sprang, sprang out of her. They, they love that, don't they? They love to be honored and they love to have people bow down to them. But not this heavenly being. He was not worthy of that. He didn't deserve that. Uh, works. Uh, salvation is full of the glory of men and full of it. And uh, ought to be despised. He says, I'm thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So the uh, wedding will take place. Then we see toward the end of the tribulation period. We read over in chapter uh, 21, just after the wedding. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride. Adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain. For the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these are true these words are true and faithful. And then as you read on further, uh, you see the city, New Jerusalem, that uh, has been created uh, for the bride. He, in verse 10, he carried me away into the spirit into a great mountain, a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God in her light like unto a stone most precious, even a jasper stone, clear as crystal. And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels. And the names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On these 
on the east three gates, on the north three gates, on the south three gates, on the west three gates. And all the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And in them the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. This great city we find will sit on 12 foundations. And on the foundations we find the names of the 12 apostles uh, of the Lamb or the Lord Jesus Christ. They are the foundation of that great city. It's their city. That city that God has uh, made for them. And then you go on uh, and read further of the uh, measurements uh, of that great city. And uh, in that city, New Jerusalem, verse 22, he said, I saw no temple therein, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. And the city had no need of sun, neither of the moon, to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it, and the Lamb is the light thereof. And the nations of them which are saved, unsaved people are not going to walk in New Jerusalem. You know, we see a lot about our uh, American cities, and uh, most of what you see is not very good, is it? Rampant crime. Uh, you go to one of these major cities and uh, spend the night. A friend of mine was working uh, in Chicago and there was some place he wanted to go see so he left the motel room about nine o'clock at night and was going to walk down and uh, see whatever it was and uh, a couple of policemen stopped him and asked him where he was going and he said uh, well I'm going to go look at such and such and they said the smartest thing you can do is turn around and go back to your motel room very dangerous out there. So our cities are plagued with crime and uh, you know, plagued with uh, all sorts of uh, terrible things going on. People in the, uh, the streets and, and dope and all this going on in the, the big cities. But here in New Jerusalem, the saved shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. So New Jerusalem, though it is a city built for the bride, it is accessible to all believers as they go into this great city. And the gates of it shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there. You know how disappointing it is when you go someplace and there's a sign on the wall and it doesn't open until noon. And you're there at 10 o'clock. <laughs> we run into that uh, quite often. But the gates shall never be shut. Why should they be? 
Why should they be? What would uh, cause the Lord to shut the gates? So all will bring honor and glory uh, into it. And there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. So again, we see the uh, position of the bride in heaven. She's married to Christ, and He has uh, given her New Jerusalem to live and to dwell forever. Now, after she's married, we find that the Lord will come and I believe His saints will come with Him and I believe His bride will come with Him and we will uh, once again, those who are in the bride, once again dwell uh, upon the earth. New Jerusalem is going to come down uh, out of heaven and uh, hover over Jerusalem, they're over in Israel, and that's where the bride will live and reign with the groom, with the Lamb of God. There's a lot of adventure waiting the bride. There's a lot of... Uh, not a lot of only good times awaiting the bride. You know, one song that Baptists won't sing in uh, heaven, again, is Till We Meet Again. And, and talking about our parting being sorrowful. So, you know, with all of this, uh, for us to take into consideration and all the glory that can be given Christ the rewards for the Lord's churches you know it would be foolish for us to say that uh, you know, this is not all that important. And some people take it that way. Some people look at it like that. And especially when they read that, you know, the saints of God, those who have trusted in Christ, are going to be saved and saved forever. They say, just take an attitude, well, what difference does it make? I'll be happy. Anyway, well, I will agree you'll be happy and you will rejoice uh, in your salvation. But now when the saints of God uh, who are not in the bride you know, walk into New Jerusalem, 
they'll see what they missed. And they'll say, surely, all of this was worth the effort. Surely my Savior is greatly magnified in this city. You know, as they, they look around and they see all that's, uh, that's taking place and, and going on. So it would behoove us as Baptists to think upon these things quite often. Think about our standing before God. Think about what we're doing and what we're not doing. Search the scriptures and ask ourselves and ask God to uh, help us understand are we doing what it takes to be in the bride? Are we doing what it takes? Have we done enough? Paul said he finished his course. He looked back on his life and uh, he did what God told him to do. And he was faithful in that. Very faithful. Faithful even unto death. So have we done enough? Are we doing enough? Well, most of us uh, would say no. But we just come right out and say no. Say no. It's hard for me to understand uh, those who just think that they're automatically there. It could be. They think that because they uh, don't know or they haven't been taught of what Christ requires as a faithful bride. We know how that important that is. So we know how important it is that our brides be faithful. And what a joy that is for them to be faithful. And what a disappointment it would be if they weren't. May God cause us to uh, seriously think about these things and uh, ask ourselves these questions. Thank you.